you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hey, everybody, it's Melissa, and I'm so glad you joined me this week. I do not have Dane sitting next to me, making me laugh every 30 seconds. However, I have a really great practitioner to introduce you to today. Her name is Mary Aravelo. She's located in Chicago, and she's a very unique practitioner of our work and somebody I know you're going to enjoy getting to know. Mary, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you have a resume or a long experience of teaching in the Chicago school system. You said you taught about 12 years or so in Chicago Mm -hmm. and not on the upper wealthy side of Chicago, but more on what we would call the inner city of Chicago. Is that fair? Yes, correct. Absolutely. And some of the discussions I've really enjoyed with you over the years have been your experience in that school system and what that was like to be a teacher in that school system. I'm going to say like an old movie term, the good, the bad, and the ugly of being in there underfunded, (laughs) you know, in every way, kind of not as much as some of the other schools receive. And a few years ago, you stepped into an administrator position. And so what are you doing there today? I coach special education teachers. It's probably one of the hardest jobs in education, I dare to say, any job. And it's hard in inner cities because a lot of the kids don't want the help. They, they show that they don't want the help, but you know that they do. So it's very hard on the humans teaching them because they know there's so much potential there and the kids don't see their potential yet. So it's very taxing on the adult. So a lot of pushback from the kids, but your experience tells you underneath that crusty exterior, they really are hungry for it like any other kid, if maybe more so to really learn and to grow and to do all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure over the years you learned all kinds of tricks to to getting to reaching those kids. And I'm sure they learned tricks about how to reach you (laughs) as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Both ways. So after COVID, the big thing that we all heard was it was really hard to have educators have retention, have have the teachers themselves stay. Has that smoothed out at all since COVID now? No, it's gotten a little bit worse. Uh, A lot of teachers don't want, because it takes a lot of extra hours. A lot of teachers don't feel respected. A lot of the laws are made with teachers not involved or get their feedback or their perspective. (laughs) So they're kind of just these people who want to advocate for kids and society, yet they have their hands tied. And it's, it's very difficult for someone to persevere in that. Yeah, it really is crazy, isn't it? That the the legislatures that make the laws aren't listening to the people who live within them. That just that's across our strata of of everything, right? But I yeah. think especially with teachers and school systems, librarians, special ed teachers, all of this instead of going in and observing you and asking and interviewing teachers, what do you need? What should these laws be? They arbitrarily think they know when they really have no idea. Yeah. A few years ago, I invited some of my local legislators to the school and they were like, why? 
<laughs> wow. Sad. But I wanted them to see the condition of the bathrooms, the condition of the, there's mouse droppings, there's roaches, there's wow. paint. You know, they keep it as good as they can with the money they have. And I wanted them to see that. I wanted, I don't think the world is aware of the, the level of, you know, where the schools are at. Yeah, the disrepair, the disrepair. Right. I think that that the average American is aware of the fact that their school doesn't have band anymore, or maybe the art yes. supplies are lessened, or I, I think it's despicable that teachers all across America, no matter inner city or not, have to buy their own school supplies for their yeah. kids. That's just crazy making to me. But what you're talking about is in impoverished areas. And how do we expect these kids to want to learn and want to go there and be hungry for an education when you've shared with me the disrepair the school's in? How do mm -hmm. you feel respected as a kid when you're in an environment that says people don't care about you? Yeah. You know, they don't care that your bathroom's a wreck, that your school floors are torn, all of those different things. So I know that's something you're quite passionate about. I always expect to see you go into politics and change some of these things because you're <laughs> a very passionate person. So little by little, you work with the teachers who say, I want to work with special ed children and the special ed kids that I feel the deepest for and, and open my heart the most to are the kids in these schools that this is their main resource. They don't have after school camp for autistic kids in these neighborhoods. So those are the teachers you're working with. So first of all, my hat's off to them if they hear this uh, <laughs> podcast at all. That's an amazing heart to begin with. And then you're working with them to help them not burn out. Is that kind of what it is? Not get discouraged? Yeah, because what tends to happen, we start off with rigorous teaching. And when they get pushback from the kids, they start to lessen it and give them lower stuff and lower stuff. And it's really hard to, I have to pump them up and say they deserve this. Their competition is upper white, middle class, you know, schools. Um, we can't give up. So I'm really a lot of times doing a, a little pep rally for them um, because it's, it's hard to keep inspiring kids to push themselves when just to get to school is a matter of life or death. Just to get inside the building from their yeah. home to the school. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. Mary, what, I've never asked you this in all the years that I've known you, but what inspired you to work in that area and to work in those schools? What was it about it or about you and your life experience that you found yourself there? Well, I actually used to work in advertising. I was a writer for commercials and I was in New York City during September 11th. And that day was life-changing. For sure. And I thought, like, I, I was, like, really convincing and manipulating Americans' minds to buy stuff. And it really wasn't who I was. So my mom was like, oh, you should be a teacher. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then after someone else said it, because, you know, we never listen to our moms. Right. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, okay. So then I found the best school in New York City to go to for teaching, which was Columbia University. And they have an incredible urban 
education program that really prepares teachers for urban teaching. And at, the more I was in that program, the more I was like, this is, this is where I need to be. Wow. That's amazing. And so what you found was not only the profession of teaching, which to me is one of the most difficult professions that a person takes on to do, in the best of circumstances it is. <laughs> and you got into Columbia's urban teaching program and you found your heart and your passion to say, this is not okay. These kids need the best. They need everything, if not more, right? To yes, even yeah. begin to level the playing field in, in any way. So good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I, I love your, your passion around it. Something that you mentioned before we pushed record in the studio that I heard, I had not heard of it before, but it doesn't surprise me. You said it was a syndrome, the giving up syndrome. Say a little yeah. bit about that. We start real strong in the school and I think the kids start real strong. A lot of families, I'm in a charter school now. A lot of families specifically choose charter schools for safety and we're also a college prep like the hope of changing, generational change. And we get through the, you know, like I would say even around October, people are starting to get, kids and teachers and parents are starting to get resigned about it. Like this, it's not working. So the teachers will say, I've tried everything. So I have to coach them through that because they feel very hopeless. It's like a trend, too, because then the kids get the same way. I can't do this. Right. I don't care about this. What do I need this for? I can make money something else. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they're dealing on so many different levels than what, yes. what used to be, you know, so many yeah. different levels of what... Yeah what they can go out, unfortunately, and make more money at. And they think, well, I don't even need this education if I sell drugs. So what do I need you for? Right. And they don't want to go sell drugs. They don't want to be shot. They don't want to go to prison. They don't want that future they see out on the streets, mm -hmm. but they don't see the capacity for learning to be there for them. And if the teacher gives up, they're going to give up as well. I get yeah. it. I get yeah. it. So you've got quite the job carved out for yourself, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Keeping them as believers, I would say, I guess is the opposite of giving up, is believing up, you know, really yeah. believing that resilience happens from persistence, not from, you know, giving up. One of my favorite sayings in the world is courage comes before confidence. And I mm -hmm. say it to people all the time, courage comes before confidence. If we don't feel like we're getting through and we're doing something, we lose our confidence. But the truth is you have to persevere and be resilient, keep pushing in. And then the confidence shows up. It's behind it, not, you know, yeah. not, not in front yeah. of it. Well, when I do these interviews, I often ask my interviewee, did you have horses when you were a child? I did not. Um, my grandma was really into horses when she was younger. And she had lots of pictures of her riding. She had lots of stories about her riding. But I, so I, in turn, became very interested in horses. So I, you know, you go on the trail rides. And then down the road, there was a pasture that had some horses. So I was always very, very connected to horses. Sure. As a kid, I can remember that too. Before I had a horse of my own, there was a pasture in the neighborhood 
and I went down and I swear I thought they were mine, you know, it's like, here, come here, <laughs> come here so I can pet you, you know, and <laughs> hang out with them for forever. And so you end up along with all your other things that you've done with your life is you end up finding my equine gestalt program. So I don't remember how you found me. I'll probably <laughs> recognize it when you start speaking, but how did you find the equine gestalt program? What led you to it? So I had just closed my yoga studio. I used to own a yoga studio and I kind of felt like I lost my purpose and I wasn't, I had taken a break from teaching. I took a break from schools and education to open the yoga studio and um, I felt I lost my purpose. And I remember my grandma saying she would go to a dude ranch when, you know, when times got tough, she'd go and take a little vacation in the dude ranch. So then I try to find dude ranch. And I don't really have any dude ranches anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I found someone, I can't remember who it was, somebody out west in Wyoming. But you had to be able to ganter with the horse and I was I don't didn't really know what that was um, <laughs> so, um, she said well I know someone in your area that can check to see if you can do it and then she'll let me know and so the person was Linda Bruce oh nice um, so I went and met Linda Bruce and um, it was a very different interaction with the horse than ever before so at first, she wanted me to connect to the horse. So I'm thinking, oh, this is really cool. You know, because that's in yoga, when we do acupuncture healing, you connect with the human first. You breathe with them. You connect with them. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. You can do that with animals, too. Long story short, I didn't ganter very well. So the person who had the ranch in Wyoming was like, I, I can't. It's too dangerous. We're out on open field. Maybe try for next year. So Linda was like, well, you can work with me and I'll teach you how to ganter. And I said, as long as I don't use the English saddle, because I didn't know that's what she put me. I don't know the English saddle. <laughs> so I started working with Linda and, and then we were doing these really different exercises. And every time I went, I was like noticing, oh, my ADHD is still here. I, so I have ADHD and I thought that it had gone away. But the horse was, like, moving quickly without me saying anything. And she'd say, are you anxious? I said, I don't think so. Um, but And then I started realizing that's my ADHD. That's my hyper, my, my natural hyperdrive. And um, then we were doing an exercise where I had to lead the horse without saying anything. And there was a point where I was trying to turn the horse and... I did really well because I released my thinking and then I lost, I lost trust in the horse actually, or myself, I don't, I, probably both. And I realized I didn't trust myself. So there's a lot of little things were coming out from these like 30 minute sessions of learning to ganter. So I'm thinking like, okay, this is such an interesting way. And the last the one most impactful day was when I had to bring the horse through an obstacle course without pulling. Right. He had to come off of your energy, not because you're yeah. pulling on his face. Right. Yeah. She kept saying, picture it in your mind. So I did really well with the whole course, except for this real narrow thing. She had these two little poles really close and the horse did not want to go through there. 
And I'm feel I felt like I felt the horse nervous, and then I got nervous, and then I didn't know how to change my nervousness. And then she's like, "Why don't you guys take a walk around?" And I don't know exactly what happened, but I got very emotional. I don't know. Maybe Linda was talking to me. I started crying really heavily, and the horse like kind of wrapped himself around me. And it just made me cry more. So Linda was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, are you okay to stay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. So I was really crying a lot. I think that's why she was asking me. And I didn't, I didn't even know why I was crying. So then when we were done, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> this and is different. And then she told me about the program and she gave me the book. Uh-huh, one of the anthologies, yeah. And I said, I really want to do this because for me it was – when I do healings in yoga, I get in the way of that. And I thought, wow, this is like an opportunity to, to make a difference for somebody without the human mind messing it up. Amen. There were times when I would heal a person and I'd feel this like intense sadness. I'd be like, is that mine or is that theirs? But with the horse, there was no question. It was totally mine. Yep. I mean, it was like, that horse doesn't have that. So that's what I thought was so amazing. And that feel it felt way more authentic than any other therapy or thing out there in the world because that horse is going to show you the truth. Absolutely. And they resonate to that deep authenticity. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So I want to say for our listeners, Linda Bruce is a dual graduate of my program, and she has her farm near Chicago in Woodstock, Illinois, and her farm is called soulfulprairies.com. So if you're interested in finding Linda, she's there as well. So I love that story, and I don't think you and I had ever had a chance to really go through all that. It doesn't surprise me at all that Linda would hear what you were looking for and say, this person isn't looking for a riding lesson. She's looking for connection and she's looking for contact and to really understand these animals and, and feel safe around them. And the horses went, we'll take her on and she's going <laughs> to feel safe with herself and with us. And so it's a yeah. really beautiful, beautiful story for sure. Yeah. So then you come into my crazy program and you get introduced <laughs> to Gestalt. And so I remember your work. I remember several really courageous, beautiful pieces that you did. I, you have always been kind of a firebrand to me. You're somebody that's so passionate and you know 
you know what you want and you know what's right in the world and what's just in the world and what's unjust in the world. So I've always really respected your, your fire for sure. What was it, how would you put in words what it was you personally gained out of doing the Gestalt work? I think if I were to make it a theme, probably there is more, now, I don't want to say you can have it all, but I was almost kind of settling, like I couldn't get any more in life. And there was so, I realized there's so much more work to be done. I realized that, I mean, when I think of when I was in the program, I was struggling and just closed a yoga studio. I never thought I'd make money where I could live on my own in a great place and raise my daughter with very little help. So it it kind of gave me that action piece, like that if you want more, there's ways to get more. You can't just want it. You got to do it. And I think it just showed up every time. And also, I think trusting the universe, trusting God. You know, I always heard like being Catholic, let God or something like that. They'd always say, let like kind of basically yeah. stop thinking, let, let God go, over. let God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was always like, oh, whatever, because <laughs> I was always a go-getter, right? I had to get this on my own. <laughs> but what I realized was there's a whole lot of other things going on in our space. And the horses showed me that mostly, that all the thinking and all the stuff we think we know is is really just a, a, a story. It's not reality. And that story is kind of what kept me stagnant. And it, I just kept moving up and moving up and moving up and moving up. Yeah, and we challenge each of our students, which you did so beautifully, to create a vision with a powerful question that I find most clients have a hard time answering. What is it you truly want? And I'll tell you, that's a showstopper for most people in life, even our listeners. If if you could feel me saying to you, what is it in your life you truly want? It's beyond any kind of material possession. It isn't what it's about. What do you really want? And that's when I saw your, your pilot light come back on because your pilot light was kind of out when you first came in the program. And the more you wrestled with, yeah, and it was, I want to make a difference and I want to make a difference for these kids. And I want to make a difference for these inner city black boys that are so misunderstood and not seen and not heard and not reached. And I want to really, you know, do that. And as you went through that, I saw you just come to life and figure it out, figure it out, you know, what you really, what you really want. I don't, I think a Buddhist said this, but if there are human beings on this planet in pain, we're all not okay still. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of how I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was um, weird old Dr. Phil that said a mother's only as happy as her saddest child. And it's like that yeah. for, for the world. We're, we're, as a world, we can only be as healthy and happy and emotionally okay as our saddest children and yeah. globally, right? And to think that we're in this wealthy productive country that has everything under the sun, we've got to be able to reach in and lift up those children too, so that we're all okay. So we're yeah. only as happy as our, as our saddest kids. And thank God for people like yourself and the teachers that you work with, that that's what they're attempting 
to do every day of their life is reach in and support and bring up, you know, lift up these kids for sure. So you had told me that you had started some groups and started doing some experiential things. And one that you mentioned that you have going on now is an experiential group on Sundays. And when it gets too cool in the fall, you guys have a bonfire. That just sounds really fun because in Colorado, we can't do bonfires because we're wild wildfire country, right? So you'd start a bonfire, your neighbors would be after you for sure. <laughs> so so walk me through where that is and the people that come on Sunday and, and kind of what that group's all about for you. So it's at a farm in Homer Glen, Illinois. So it's not that far from where I am. Not that it's probably about 45 minutes from the city. And it's, it's actually an Airbnb experience. So they come on the farm, you know, we walk through, we meet all the horses and we then have a group. It could be anywhere from one person to 10 people. And I love to sit the group in between two horses. And I have these two horses that are just magical together. And we go through different activities and exercises to see what brought you here, why are you here, what are you looking for. So we do a variety of different things like that. I'm also part Native American, so sometimes I'll drum. I'll add in the drumming. Yeah, it's really organic then from there. There's not a whole lot of, a lot of things come out. Sometimes some people will want to work with the horses they can, they can work right outside the fence with the horse or they can go inside. Because in Chicago, it seems like there aren't as many people that are willing to go inside in the beginning. Right. But then <laughs> they eventually do because they, they actually watch, people will actually watch the horses as the horses are doing things with other people. And they're really amazed. Like I'm they sure. Don't think of horses in that way. They don't. They don't. I've had people that say, you mean horses have different personalities? And I'm always struck by those things. I go, well, yeah, duh, right? <laughs> but if they haven't been around them, they just seem like a big animal. They don't really know, you know, that they have unique gifts and unique different things to do. I want to yeah. say too, that for people that can't imagine sharing some of your most confidential and private thoughts or feelings or whatever you're dealing with in life in a group, it may sound kind of threatening in itself, but actually Gestalt started in group and actually started group therapy for the whole therapy world started in Gestalt. And one of the reasons that I love it so much because this work is everything that you are, Mary, it's very authentic and people have to be standing in their authenticity, which means we create confidentiality. We create everybody being real. We create a no judgment zone. We create one of these rare containers where you can be and say and truly explore who you really are without feeling you need to compete with anyone else or anything. So when a person works one-on-one -on -one with Mary in this case, it's like the rest of the group kind of drops away because the contact between the practitioner 
and the client is so strong. And the rest of the group sometimes is called into the different experiences, um, plays different parts in the different experiences, whether it's a sculpture or it's a person that one the client needs to speak to in, in a role play, whatever it might be. And what occurs out of it organically is what we call borrowed benefit, meaning that Mary's sitting across from maybe a parent who is struggling with the, the amount of social media presence in their teenager's life and how that's threatening their child's sanity and whatever she's working on with Mary. And another person sitting out in the ring of people says, wow, you just said something that I gained insight for my own situation in, and that's borrowed benefits. So everybody benefits in the group circle. It's really, truly beautiful work. So Mary, I think one of the things you had shared with me that you're passionate about, if our listeners today are wanting to sit with you, is really working with the parents of kids, both kids that are uh, healthy and privileged and cognitively bright, but also with parents whose kids are these kids like you work with at your school that maybe mm -hmm. need that hand up. And so ideally, who do you want to reach in this podcast? If you could speak right to the heart of a parent who needs your service, what would you say to her? It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Meaning you already know her pain, right? You already yeah. know what she's going through. And I see tears in your eyes as you're saying that. And it does not have to be this way. Right. So she reaches out, I'm sure, a little unsure when somebody first reaches out to you. And from there, where does it go? Do you listen to her on the phone to start? Yes, to see what she's looking for, how far she's willing to go. I think any layer is helpful. So wherever someone wants to start, it might be, I'm tired of my kid leaving the dishwasher open or something very <laughs> right. simple but those are things that really as parents mess up our energy much less i'm tired of my son sneaking out at night and i don't know where he is yeah. on these scary streets or when the school keeps calling and it's hard for a parent to know what to do because they're not in the school so it's very difficult to get calls from the school constantly. That they're either truant or they're misbehaving yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Very, very tough. So again, no judgment zone. So if you're sitting there as a mom and you can hear that Mary has experience in working in this inner city school area and you're thinking to yourself, oh, she'd probably think I was a bad mom. That is completely the opposite. <laughs> she right. would think that you're a mom who truly loves your kid and needs to have the assistance of someone like her to just mm -hmm. even feel heard and honored in this world, to feel like, yeah, you're doing the toughest job in the world as being the mother of this son. And then there's the teacher of the son, right? Mm -hmm. You work together to try and find some sort of a, a way through, some way through. So yeah. it's awesome. I've told you this before, but I think you have a book inside of you, Mary. I think you need to write a book <laughs> about these, these young children and, and what we need to do in this country to really reach out and realize uh, we have to make a difference. We can make a difference. And even donating to support 
the kids in those schools so they don't have mice and rats in their bathrooms and all the deplorable ways in which they're being told, hey, learn something today. They're learning, but they're not learning what we want them to learn, which is mm -hmm. that they're valued, that they have value, mm -hmm. that they matter, that they're human beings and that we care. So yeah, awesome. Mary, if somebody wants to reach you, they can go to beacontrailsequinecoaching.com Mm -hmm. or on the ever popular Instagram, Beacon Trails Chicago, and you'll mm -hmm. be able to reach Mary. Any other way you would like to have people listening to the podcast reach out to you? Is there an easier way or a different way? Um, all the ways are on the website too. I have my phone number and my email. So if they prefer those phone numbers texting, cause I know a lot of younger yes. parents like to text. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. A lot of my parents at the school text me all the time. And they can so, find that on your beacon trails, equinecoaching.com, all yeah. the ways to contact yeah. you. Perfect. Mary Aravelo, you are a delight. I do want to, before we hear closing words from Mary that she may want you to hear, I do want to do a shout out to Hope Through Horses for being a partial sponsor of this podcast. Very grateful to HopeThroughHorses.com. So Mary, what's your closing words, either to me personally or to our listeners today? Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible. If you dream it, not even dream it. If you think it and want it, it can happen. You just have to find the right people to support you on that path. Absolutely. Well, you did the heavy lifting in my program. It was a delight to be a teacher of a teacher. And I loved every moment that we had together. And I love the fact you're out in the world doing my work. And gosh, I want to sit around that bonfire. That sounds like fun. Reach <laughs> out to Mary at Beacon Trails Chicago on Instagram or at her website, beacontrailsequinecoaching.com and find out more about what she offers and what she does. Have a conversation with Mayor, whether it's texting or telephone, and find out how she might be able to support you or someone you know. And so she's got lots of different avenues there to be able to reach out and help you. Kids are resilient, but they definitely need our focus. And the parents of kids need it tenfold. So if you're a parent of a teen, please reach out to Mary. She'll be so happy to help you. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being Appreciate on. You. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303 440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.